Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. A word of warning: This podcast contains discussions that some listeners may find distressing or triggering. Please use your discretion. Welcome back to part two of my chat with the incredible Caroline Bruni. If you haven't listened to part one, please go back. Otherwise, this will make no sense at all. But if you have, then strap your boots in for a wonderful episode. Thank you so much for listening. In 2019, I reached out to a book publishing like support company. So they help people self-publish and they coach and do all this other stuff. And I had a conversation with this guy called Michael and I had planned to write a book just to blow up my life. Like I was like, I'm not going to go speak to anyone. I'm just going to write a book and then I'm going to post it to my sister. Like I genuinely was just like, I'll just blow it all up. Um, Now that was pre a lot of therapy and a lot of other stuff that obviously needed to happen. And I'm, I'm so, and I can laugh about that now because I'm so conscious that that is where I was at. And having a conversation with Michael and and I was really kind of cagey on wasn't really telling him what the book was about. And he was like, it sounds like you're going to write something really, con- I didn't tell him any of the details of the abuse. And he said, it sounds like you're, you're going to write something controversial. So before you even do that, you need to be okay with the fact that it's going to be controversial. And I was like, oh crap, he ruined my major plan of rolling <laughs> up my life. Like I better just go think about this properly. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, that's not, that's not going to work. So I waited a couple of months and then I decided to, you know, reach out to my sister and start that process. And and then the pandemic hit and we couldn't do anything that travel anywhere. All my family's interstate. So I was like, okay, well, we're going to try and process all of this in a pandemic and, and whatever else. And so I spent most of 2020 in therapy and doing stuff and like speaking to family and trying to just work out what that communication looked like. But then in 2021, I was like, what does this story look like? And how do I share it in a way that I have control, but don't? Because words are really funny um, in the sense that there's no tone and there's no context in a way. Like 
you can put a book down at a particular line and then pick it up and you're in a different mood or you're sitting in a different place. And that can mean that as you read it, you experience it differently. So though I had control on the narrative, I I knew I wouldn't have control on everything. And that was, I had to be okay with that because it's such an immersive process reading a book in general, but especially someone's life story. Um, so I started writing in 2021 and I wrote really fast. So I didn't realize how much I was just ready to write. Um, so I wrote my first draft in like under four months, um, yeah. which is stupid. And then, yeah. um, my writing coach was like, okay, we've got to do that again. And then I'm glad she didn't tell me that because then we had to do draft two and three and keep writing. And that's how you <laughs> end up getting a really dodgy script, like dodgy manuscript into an actual book. Um, but in that process, I definitely found that all of these themes of courageous intentions and walk beside, some of those things were happening in real time. So I was writing them and going, okay. And I had um, this incredible moment just a month or so ago where I was speaking to my psychologist and we were talking about the book and I said to her, the trauma doesn't live in my body anymore. It's almost like out and in this format, which for anyone that like even between um, Bessa van der Kolk's work and um, some of the other writers that have used that phrasing and there's so many um, and survivors that understand that term that like even I'm like I'm struggling to even just get through the sentences because that is a huge thing. And I didn't even mean to say it at the time. Like it was just kind of came out and then we both like went, what, wait, you had this moment. <laughs> and, um, and I'm not saying that all my triggers are diffused and I'm not still having, like still working through a whole heap of stuff, but the writing process was incredible for that. Doing it in some ways in real time, going through a range of therapy, making decisions about family, all of that sort of stuff. And then towards the end of that process, kind of going, how do I want to close this off? How, what message do I want to send? Who is this book for? Um, and I realized that it was in many ways for two audiences. Um, one, it was for me, my 10 year old self and just what I needed. Um, and I think if you don't acknowledge that version of yourself, be it in my case for abuse that goes on for a really long time, and you take all of those different versions and you put them back and make them whole again because you are still, you are one being as opposed to the person that went through trauma and then the person you are today, which was what you were saying even at the start. But acknowledging that version of yourself. And for me, when I think back to my 10-year-old self and I go, holy crap, if she hadn't have been as strong as she was or if at 14 she didn't find her voice and say, please stop. Or at 16, she didn't make a decision to look after her sister or whatever else. And now I'm speaking about myself in third person, but you totally get where I'm going. I know. Yeah. I understand. Um, But yeah, I think it's that, or like there was so much of that, that I needed to write for me. Um, But then in turn, I realized how much I was writing for my fellow survivors because it wasn't until I started writing and I was just researching and just trying to understand this type of trauma that in a very terrifying and heartbreaking but almost warming way, I realised that people are abused by their parents all the time and we don't hear about it because it's like 
one of the darkest secrets. Like we we hear about, you know, people outside of families or even step parents we hear about, but we don't hear of biological parents very often um, because they're the hardest stories to process. Um, so when I started kind of reaching out to survivor communities and realizing that I wasn't alone, like though it was very upsetting, it was also really freeing to go, okay, this isn't just me and I'm not alone and this is exactly why you've created this community in the first place. We aren't alone and there's such a, a strength in our, in our kind of community in our sister and brotherhood where we support each other. So it's really beautiful and that, yeah, is one of the main reasons why when I finally kind of put everything together, I was like, this is who this is for. That's just so amazing and I think as well, even in the process of writing some of that stuff down, I'm sure you've experienced this, but even with myself, with journaling, for example, were you writing down things that you were like, oh my God, I have not thought about that in yeah. years. Where did that yeah. come from? Where was that memory mm. hiding for all that time? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think even just in like, you know, there's parts where I just talk about my childhood or teenagehood and it was funny so my eldest son is um he's nearly 18 he's in year 12 and um he had his formal recently and there's a part that I write about my formal and you kind of I think as a reader people are expecting it to like you know whatever they're expecting and and I I'm like laughing about how like hideous my dress was and it was like this powder blue baby blue color and my eyeshadow matched my dress and I looked like a <laughs> Disney princess and and I had friends like I've had people go this cracked me up like it was this real ode to late 90s fashion and just this point in time where some readers have like messaged me and gone I was not expecting to be laughing in this, but I'm like, yes, this is also part, like it's a memoir. It's me sharing about my life. And there's elements of that, that as I was writing going, oh my God, I remember that. And that was so funny. And I have to share this because this is the element of more than one thing can be true. Like whilst this trauma was happening, I was creating lifelong, beautiful, funny memories um, that are all part of the mix that makes me who I am. So yeah, very fun to kind of, have those lighter moments or even not even lighter moments. And like there were definitely moments where I was like, oh, wow, I didn't, I hadn't remembered that. I had never thought about it from that perspective um, and taking that and then unpacking it with my therapist. That's so <laughs> good. You when you're journaling. <laughs> yeah. Like a little, little asterisk next to it. I'm like, we might need to unpack that one. <laughs> little sticky note. I've got, um, I've got my little color coordinated ones. <laughs> so I know what it's about. Oh gosh. Um, but that's so beautiful. And, you know, I could hear what you were getting with the end of that coming full circle with the true things being true. Um, and it is so true. You know, one of the things that I try and do on this platform as well is incorporate laughter in life. And because it isn't all abuse, like some of, you know, these stories are about some of the most horrific traumas and crimes against human beings. And they're also wonderful stories of the fact that it's not the end after abuse. You know what I mean? Like Mm. life doesn't finish after abuse and life can continue through abuse. And, you know, one of the things that we always talk about, I guess it always ends up coming up is that a lot of people feel bad when they're, whether it be you feel bad that you're happy during a time because you should be sad or Mm. 
you feel like looking back on it going, was it that bad? Cause I remembered this other memory at a similar time and you gaslight mm. yourself and go, Oh, but I was yeah. laughing. So maybe it wasn't that bad. You know, yeah. people with depression can laugh and people oh, can put we've masks seen so on. much evidence of that. So true. Yeah. And it doesn't even matter if there is not a mental health problem that's associated with the trauma that you're experiencing, but just being able to acknowledge that, yeah, you can be experiencing horrific things and Mm. also have different experiences during that time period or shortly thereafter or later on in life that are fulfilling. Like, and that's, I guess, why, you know, so many different things are so difficult for survivors to explain to other people because it's not linear. It's just so these details are so nuanced in, in, in detail, I guess. And I think that's where the importance sits with the networks as well, is that there's just this inherent understanding that this behavior is not, is not X or Y. This behavior Mm. is, you know, a symptom of something or could be covering up something or could be concurrent to something. Like it's, there's an understanding by survivors and victims that this is nuanced behavior. Very much so, and and I think that understanding is is really like you don't realize it's there when you feel so alone. So when you genuinely think that, so for a very long time, I was like, oh, I know of this person and this person and this person that has had, you know, anything from a workplace incident to, um, you know, a a consent-based incident to like to a rape to like the, the scale is huge. We know that it's very, it's really varied. If you layer violence on top of that scale, it becomes even more complex because the two can go hand in hand, but the two can sit separately. Um, I'd had all those conversations and I knew, unfortunately, like me too, um, hashtag me too. Um, and the me too movement by Tarana Burke has taught us that we know this is a, very, very common, but I hadn't ever really spoken to anyone that had an experience like mine to the extent that it was a biological parent, but then what occurred afterwards and and us staying and and how long and all of that sort of stuff. And so once I started researching and just trying to find a survivor community, I was like, oh, okay, so I'm not alone. And therefore my behaviour as we were just saying, like it's not as unusual as it seems. And um, and also, look, like I had been saying for a really long time, survivors look very different in all shapes and forms. And But I don't think I'd really convinced myself. I think I was still a little bit like, oh, survivors must all, like the majority must look this way or whatever. And I'm like, no, we very much are just living and breathing right next to you. Unfortunately, that also means that perpetrators are living and breathing right next to you, um, which is the part of my story and the part in my memoir that I try to unpack because if you run the numbers, like there's a lot of, like if you run the numbers of survivors, then unfortunately you have to see the numbers of perpetrators. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. So, um, yeah, that's a whole different podcast theme and a whole different conversation. Um, but it is one that I don't think as a society we're unpacking properly. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I agree. I did hear this the other day, though, and I will end that on a positive because uh, we will always outnumber them because in most situations, a perpetrator will have more than one victim. So a domestic violence perpetrator or something. So we're not living this world at a one-to-one ratio. That means our collective voices are louder. That means that our collective feet hitting the ground, making noise, making change, working together. We can make more noise. We can implement more things. We can do much more because we hold the power. And I think that's an incredible thing to look at it and go, you know what, we outnumber you and we will win. Yeah. And, and I think, in the winning, there is, there's a lot that can be done there because in the theme of more than one thing being true, I, I think that there are definitely perpetrators that could be beyond help and I understand that um, and they, they are the ones that we often see through the criminal justice system and all of that sort of stuff. But there are organisations like Bravehearts that are trying to do work right at the beginning of the process. So they have programs um, for teens who are showing signs of this behaviour, this perpetrator behaviour, and they have programs to unpack that and diffuse that at the beginning. Um, And we know that that can form in lots of different ways. And so the winning can look really different in lots of different ways. And, And I'm so grateful that there's programs like that out there because if not, we'd just see the same cycles. Like if no one was stopping this at the root cause, we wouldn't, like there's not enough space in the criminal justice system to win only with that route. So there's lots of different routes that I think we need. Um, prevention 100% needs to be the first point of call. Um, and then in addition to that is how as a community we are supporting survivors and how we're managing these situations that was one of the things that really stood out to me in your story as how your the community around you reacted. Um, 
I know for a fact that if I'd had this conversation and had shared this story even 10 years ago, I think my that my experience would be really different. But I'm at the point where I'm nearly 40 and I give no fucks. So anyone has anything to say, I'm like, okay, cool. I don't really care. That's your opinion. But it took a really long time to get to this point in my life. And and I've built my community and there's a really clear boundary line around me and my community going, yeah, no, you're not speaking the right language. You're out of here because your your language is really um, harming and damaging and victim blaming or dismissive or whatever. And this is the boundary line. Um, but that takes a really long time to get there. And so I think with that prevention, with all the different forms of winning that we do in our survivor community as we share our stories and do the work that we're doing, um, we can hopefully continue to make change. I agree. And it's not just, yeah, you're right. It's not just criminal justice. You know, it is um, biological, sociological, economical. It is mental health reforms. It is providing different services and supports for different people. It is having social impact, um, different organisations getting funding. Like there are so many different things that we can do. Um, And you know what I mean? it just takes the rubber meeting the road, I think, in many circumstances Mm. for us to facilitate this change. And that's why I do think that we can make more change. I think that, you know, in Melbourne right now, we we know who Brittany Higgins is. We know who Grace Tame is. We know who Jess Hill is. We have some Mm. iconic, iconic women making some massive moves who are making and, and being a part of this change facilitation that is going into government. And, you know, I think, as we collectively come together, we're going to be a part of this massive movement. And I can't wait to see, you know, how much we've evolved in another 10 years, you know, so how much more support victim survivors will have, how much more support potential offenders will have, how much Mm. um, different ways that people can be um, rehabilitated potentially during Mm. the prison system, which is, just well, from what I hear, completely fucked. So <laughs> yeah, there's we've a whole other conversation. Yeah. There's about six other podcasts we've just yeah. Yeah. potentially written and launched. <laughs> but I think it's just amazing, and it, you know, I think that there is this foreboding many, many times when people talk about even this podcast being, oh, it must be so sad. Um, and I'm like, yes, mm. this is a difficult topic, but this is incredibly empowering. I think in many ways, and I guess yeah. to you now as well. How is how does this feel? Do you feel like what does it feel like now to have written this, to have completed it, and to be moving through this journey now? Do you feel like empowered, emboldened? Like what does it feel like? It's funny. I, I go back to what I was saying before. I, I'm actually just really still, and I have a feeling of freedom, and that freedom is because I'm no longer weighted down by the shame and the silence, which is very heavy. Um, And I carried for, you know, 30 years almost, so a very long time. Um, And then the other part of that that's really important from a how do I feel perspective is freedom is something that you have to choose So it's actually really easy in some ways to be in control. It's easy to have lists and keep myself busy and deflect and distract and or let other people make my decisions for me or to go back to Christmas dinner because that's the family setting I've known and have known for a really long time. Um, So all of that would be easier. 
but I'm choosing to be free and I'm choosing to use my voice and I'm choosing to show up as a survivor. Um, and that, yeah, it's, it's liberating and it's, it's a feeling of freedom that I've needed for, as I said, 30 years. And, um, in doing that, everyone gets the best of me. So obviously my loved ones and my family and, and whatever else, but then even in conversations like this, because I, there's no restriction. I can just speak whatever, whatever comes to my head yeah. <laughs> and, um, and just be really present here and, and feel really free to have conversations with people like you. So, um, it's a really beautiful feeling. That's so amazing. Um, I feel really proud of you uh, to be able to have done this. Like what a what an incredible thing to achieve. Um, but I know that the listeners will be dying to know how can they get in touch with you? How can they read this book? Um, how can they follow you and support you on your journey further? Sure. So um, my website is carolinebruni.com um, and Caroline Bruni is also my Instagram handle um, and Facebook as well. So the book is available on my website. So if you purchase it through my site, you'll get a signed copy from me. Um, but if you are a booktopia or a like a Dimmix or a whatever purchaser and you're buying five other books, like I have so many books and I haven't read <laughs> any of them, they're all just piling up. If you're one of those people like me and you want to do a batch, you can order um, through some of the bigger distributors as well. Um, I've covered all bases, which is not because I'm a busy, busy person sometimes. <laughs> I like to cover all bases, but I this is in a good way. Um, so if you're an audible um, or audiobook, that's available um, as is ebook. So um, through my website is the printed version, but there's there's other options there as well. If you're if you want to listen to seven and a half hours of my voice, you are more than welcome to do that. <laughs> I've got a credit available. I'm going to <laughs> Yeah. I actually I spoke ask. to someone just a couple of days ago who I I met her. It was funny because Audible, you don't get a lot of control on once you push through those systems, you don't get a lot of control on release dates. So there was an official release date of the 30th of May, but it was two, a week and a half early and I was like, oh, my God, it's out. And I'm like, no one's going to find this. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then I was having, I met up with this woman at an event and I mentioned it to her and she's like, is it on Audible? And she was looking it up as I was standing with her and I was freaking out because it was just, it was pre-release date and I was, I hadn't quite got to where I needed to be and I was very nervous. Um, and so she purchased it and downloaded it as we were standing next to each other. I was freaking out. And then she messaged me just a few days ago and she's like, I finally had some time. I've listened to it. It's incredible. And we're going to try and catch up and have a bit of an unpack and conversation. And she's a fellow survivor as well. And so she has a lot of thoughts, um, which I think is the biggest thing for me is when fellow survivors uh, are reading and listening and they're reaching out and they are, you know, just sharing their takeaways. It's really special. So lots of options. Um, and please stay in touch. Like I love hearing from people and courageous intentions will likely turn into something. I haven't quite worked out what that looks like, but it will be something else in the future. I'm working on that at the moment. So watch the space. I'm sure that we'll have some questions for you as well. So I will already invite you back, uh, anytime you're always welcome. It's been so lovely to talk to you. Um, I do finish every episode with asking the guest, what would be 
a piece of advice for somebody listening that has gone through or is going through what what you experienced um, as a child? So I think as a child, um, the first piece of advice I would give my 10-year-old self is to just keep doing what you're doing because whatever you're doing today is what you need to do and what you have the capacity to do. So though it would be as an adult now, I'd be amazing if I could teleport myself and say, you know, use your voice or do this or don't do this or whatever. The reality is that's not likely. Um, So just the knowing that whatever you have the capacity to do in that moment as a survivor, you are surviving and yeah. um, and you are incredible for surviving. So just keep surviving because one day you'll turn that into thriving and, and so many other beautiful things. I think the other part, and this is kind of fast forwarding away from my childhood self, is I'm always surprised at how many adults um, or young adults even that I speak to that are in situations like mine where they are still in family settings or they're still having relationships or even your example before of this friend's situation or this event that you're probably now not going to but um, we find ourselves in these situations all the time Um, but definitely as survivors we find ourselves still in contact due to obligation Um, it's really hard. It's really hard when someone holds a title like mum, dad, sister, brother, uncle, whoever, um, because our obligations can override our needs um, for our own emotional and mental safety, um, sometimes our physical safety as well. Um, so to that person, uh, know the truth in the value that you hold Um, know the truth in what you need to survive and to thrive. Um, And remember that you are the most important person in your world. And so if you have to put boundaries in place to protect that, that's okay. Um, It's really hard. And estranging myself was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But in doing that, I've shared that with a few people, um, adults, and they've gone, oh, I actually didn't know that I could do that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, neither did I, to be honest. Um, so there's definitely a power in that as well. And it doesn't matter if it happened 20 years ago or five years ago, you have the power to make a decision on as to what you do moving forward. And it goes back to that, you know, what you can control part as well. So that's a survivor that's still surviving. And um, it's really important to see and hear them as well. I think that's absolutely incredible. I've really um, enjoyed our conversation and I, I know enjoy is a really weird word to use, but it is, you you give off such a vibe. You've got such a way of communicating and speaking. And I just think that you're an incredible, incredible woman. And I'm so grateful to have had you on this podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, and I hope to have you back again soon. Uh, I, it would be my pleasure. I'm sure we can find many more things to chat about. We might be able to do an in-person in our puffer jackets. Maybe not in winter, actually. Yeah. <laughs> with the That's dogs, with our border collies. <laughs> we'll have a dog meetup. Um, I think that sounds like so good. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. And for now, this is Reclaim Me signing out. This content may have been distressing or triggering for some listeners. In Australia, for national crisis support, please contact Lifeline on 1311 
14. For more resources, please see the show notes for this episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.